Hi, I'm Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. I'm also the podcast host of Invest in Her and an award-winning producer, author, and TEDx speaker. Our show, Invest in Her, features phenomenal female founders and funders. As you know, women receive less than 2% of venture capital funding. Our series is about accelerating the funding of women by connecting them to funding resources. Let's meet today's guest. Welcome to this week's edition of Invest in Her. I'm your host, Catherine Gray. So happy to have on an old friend that uh, had taken one of my Live, Love, Thrive workshops. And now she is the author of a new book that's out on Amazon. Please welcome to the show, Mary Giuliani. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Catherine? Great, great. Well, I want to start the show off by telling everybody the name of your book that's out. Sure. It's called It's Not About Food, Drugs, or Alcohol. It's About Healing Complex PTSD. I, you know, I think so many people are affected by this. So I wanted to, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because um, it's a, such an interesting topic. Uh, great read about your personal life. Um, and I think many people will identify with it. Um, as I was mentioning, you and I, of course, met at my live, love, thrive workshop. And I always love to see, you know, what comes out of that, what people are doing, um, after, you know, collaborating and us all talking about how do we empower ourselves and, um, you know, I'm so proud of you that you did this book because that's no small feat. Would you agree? Oh my goodness. No, uh, absolutely. It's actually, I actually wanted to be an author back when I was in my 30s, and I never really had compelling clarity on exactly what I was going to write about. But it wasn't until 2017 when I learned that my previous struggle with alcohol and drugs and severe obesity was driven by complex PTSD that I realized that, oh, my goodness, uh, this is uh, so huge. And it was still impacting my life, even though I was sober and had lost all this weight and kept it off. I was still struggling with um, like social social anxiety and relationship issues and uh, sleep and still with food to some degree. And so it was like, oh my God, I, I need to share about this journey because if I would have known, you know, 20, 30 years sooner that there was an actual post-traumatic stress disorder operating behind the scenes, I could have gotten special treatment and it would have saved me years of suffering. You know, I know that too, for this book that you really did a lot of research about this and talk to people in that field that are dealing with the neuroscience of this and stuff. And, um, you know, I imagine uh, as people are listening, you know, a lot of people um, have issues with either food or alcohol or drugs and, you know, that you're taking kind of this new look at it, like saying, it's not your fault and here's how you can deal with it. And here's what it really is. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your background. And by the way, you know, you coach people in this arena, right? I do. Yes. I've been for a couple of decades, right? Yes. I've been a, I'm a master certified coach and I've been working with clients for many years, but it wasn't again until I learned about the trauma stuff that I decided to completely shift my coaching practice to working with people that have had difficult childhoods and are struggling with uh, food or alcohol or drugs or relationships. Because the thing about childhood trauma and the reason I was, okay, just to back up a little bit, the reason I never understood that trauma was driving my addiction and my obesity issues 
is because I thought you had to have sexual or physical abuse to be considered a trauma survivor. And my trauma was being raised in a crazy alcoholic home. So there was no sexual or physical abuse, but there, there, the, the, the neuroscience about childhood trauma is when any child is exposed to enough chronic toxic stress, which is being raised in that kind of an environment, uh, your developing brain changes and adapts to the environment, which primes you to soothe yourself with food. Usually it's food in the beginning because it's the most available thing. And then as a teenager, uh, drugs and alcohol were just like, to me, like, you know, the elixir sent down from the gods. <laughs> I mean, it was that amazing. And I didn't know, but now I understand with trauma is, uh, and interestingly enough, Judith Grizel, who wrote a book called Never Enough, um, is a neuroscientist about addiction, talks about how children that were raised in toxic environments um, actually have 50% less beta endorphins, which are the natural opiates in the brain that give us a sense of soothing and connection than people that weren't. So when we do drugs or alcohol, we have a completely exp different experience of feeling a sense of well-being that many of us have never known. And so um, just understanding that my addiction history was never my fault to begin with. I never asked to be traumatized. And, um, and that I was basically doing the best I could to deal with a very, very dysfunctional environment. And uh, it was really my best attempt at a solution to you know, soothe the pain of the trauma because trauma really is more like symptoms. I, it's weird that there's trauma has this kind of interesting, uh, uh, what's the word for it? The definition of it can be kind of murky for a lot of people. And really what it is, is it, it's a, when, when you become traumatized, it's because your body, your nervous system, your mind is in such an overwhelming level of stress that they, that you, your body and your nervous system can't handle it. And so it, it, it doesn't process it like a normal stressful event. And that what, that's what causes a post-traumatic stress response. And unless you get specific types of treatment, it will stay with you for the rest of your life. And I take and, it uh, in lay terms, like they're trying to anesthetize it, right? So all that mm -hmm. stress of what was, yeah. like you said, even when they eat or drink or do drugs, they're having a different reaction than the average person. Completely. Yeah. And that's the thing that that's so um, sad for me and maddening, actually, is there's so much stigma and shame in our culture about addiction, because actually 50% of people think that addiction is a... A choice. And the fact is that when you are, you know, when you're raised in an environment that changes your brain, body, and mind, you know, in the beginning, addiction is an attempt to soothe the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the pain of the trauma. But then also with like alcohol and drug addiction, it becomes a, a brain disease as well. So then you're dealing with two issues. You're dealing with complex trauma plus the brain disease of addiction. Right. Uh, so your book explains all this, and I take it also helps people to overcome that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the good news is trauma is treatable and you can heal. And um, and the other part about trauma is that it's so um, there's this shame about having trauma because we're raised in our, a culture that really promotes pull yourself up 
by your bootstraps and you should be able to overcome anything. And, you know, having the idea that you should be able to overcome trauma is like expecting a person with a brain, traumatic brain injury to just get over it with the sheer power of their will. Of right. course, of course, we would look, you know, to medical science to help them, you know, overcome that. But, and, you, know, you know, I imagine I, I don't know what percentage maybe you do of people that do come from homes where they experience trauma, like you're saying, not necessarily, although some people um, sexual abuse or domestic you know, you know, abuse, right. um, but uh, maybe it is that their parents are alcoholic or drug addicts, right. you know, well, yeah, various I, types of trauma, right? Well, you'd be surprised. The thing about it is, is that there's so much taboo about these subjects that most people don't talk about them or they're in denial or minimize what happened to them growing up. But the reality is an, an amazing study called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study uh, found that, uh, and plus with its, it, it was a study done with the CDC and Kaiser Permanente, 23% of, of adults were raised with alcoholic or drug addicted parents. What was uh, the percentage? 23%. 23%. So almost, almost yeah. a quarter of the population. Yeah. 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 And, and also uh, almost uh, 20% of uh, girls and a little lower percentage were sexually molested as children. Yeah. I knew it was a high um, number and it's yeah. awful, awful. It, so, and then so also it's, it's, add yeah. to that people that have parents with mental illness. I mean, exactly. That's, that's another traumatizing, one. Traumatizing, right? Yeah, and so the 10 ACE questions uh, are uh, basically to determine your level of trauma is, were you raised with an alcoholic or drug addicted parent? Did you have a parent with mental health issues? Did you witness your mother being beaten? Or, uh, or did you experience emotional abuse, like being made to feel like less than, or you know, uh, just having a parent uh, I think shaming? at this point, we're up to well over 50% <laughs> of the population, right? Yeah. If you combine it yeah. all. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. So, yeah. So the point of it is, is, um, and then when you add in the LGBTQ plus population, here's another astounding fact is that given the homophobia, it's like the, it's a kind of structural homophobia in our culture. I was raised in the sixties and seventies. I, I discovered I was attracted to girls or women when I was like, 14, 15, I was going to a Catholic high school at the time. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. um, you know, I had ho horrible shame about it and um, didn't tell anybody. And so that's another level of trauma. And um, in fact, there's studies that I cite in my book that uh, the LGBTQ population has 50% higher levels of mental health issues and uh, alcohol and drug addiction issues. I mean, so, and, you know, here's the interesting fact about that, Mary, you know, uh, people that are anti-gay people will say, oh, they have mental illness because they're gay. And the bottom line is, no, they have it because of the way they're treated by Absolutely. society and by family or, you know, people in general. And so people have to remember that, that that's the cause of it. Absolutely. It's like feeling, I mean, as, as human beings, we have the need to feel that we belong, that we're safe. And when we are chronically exposed to a sense of not feeling safe, our nervous system is in the state of, you know, hypervigilance. And that's part of the whole trauma thing. Um, you know, so I didn't come out to my family for like nine years after I discovered I was gay. And, and you know, once I started 
dating and a woman. And for me, bravo to you. For me, I didn't come out till I was 40. Yeah. You know? so, so you get it. Yeah. And, yeah. And the young people today don't mm-hmm. understand that, you know, for some people, it wasn't really an option uh, in our time. And so um, the option, the consequences were too great. Oh, my today, God. Yes. Today, they have the freedom, not everybody, because there's a lot of people still prejudiced to their children, but not as much as when we were growing up. And so, you know, to carry around that um, burden of not being able to honestly be yourself is such a burden um, that it absolutely, you know, if only if only parents could understand that letting their kids be their authentic selves Uh is what makes a happy kid. And they've got to be supportive of that. So but yes, a lot of trauma comes out of not being able to be their authentic self. Absolutely. And, um, you know, just recently I was on a cruise with my partner, Maria, and just they asked us before the cruise, are you guys celebrating anything? And we were celebrating a a, a four, four year anniversary. And so we've checked off that box. And the cruise was great about it. You know, they had like little balloons and stuff in our room. And but when it came time to acknowledge our our, you know, our same sex partnership in the main public dining room during a dinner, I noticed feeling really, really uncomfortable because we were seated with like six other people that were all straight. And I knew they were from typically very conservative states like in the South and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and the whole dinner, I noticed I was just, you know, just uptight. And it made me realize that I'm still carrying my own internalized homophobia, even though I'd probably, I'd probably never see these people again. And what's interesting about it, once the, the servers came with our little cake to sing happy anniversary to us, the couples automatically looked at each other thinking it had to be been one of them because it couldn't be us. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and then finally, when they put it in front of us, the men, uh, the women were all like, oh, how, congratulations. The men didn't say anything. So how did it feel, you know, when the women acknowledged it and the men didn't, I guess that was kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it just, I, I, you know, it was hard to know what to feel. I mean. And how do you deal with that now differently than you used to before you had these tools that might be helpful to somebody? Sure. Well, like now, first of all, I got curious afterwards just to kind of like how I didn't realize how I still had so much internalized homophobia and discomfort with it. I mean, before I probably wouldn't have even uh, come out about or allowed them to do the the thing at the dinner table in public. But, but wait a minute, you said you're internalized homophobia, but is it, yeah. or is it just like, sometimes I forget how uncomfortable people can be. Like my wife and yeah. I'll be walking down the street holding hands and I'll notice like, a kind of glaring look or something. Right. And I don't think it's my homophobia. I think it's just being aware right. of other people's homophobia, right? Right, right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, you know, now I, what I do know is that the more I walk through my own discomfort about just being my authentic self, the easier it is. And, um, and thank God that, you know, we've made so much progress, although, of course, there's always more to make. And I always try to just think, uh, oh, if they have a problem with it, well, that's their problem. Their problem, exactly. But even though we say that, 
it does feel sometimes uncomfortable if, you know, if you know people aren't comfortable or they're judgy, but you try to just let it roll off your back. Right. But I think your book can be great for somebody that, you know, has had the trauma of, you know, being disowned by their parents or, Oh yeah. Or being in this alcoholic environment, like you're talking about growing up in that, um, any of these situations that cause trauma, um, Tell me the name of the book again and yeah, what that, and what I'll, that I'll book show you a cover to them when they read it. Yes. People that are just listening won't see it, but the oh, people. Okay. Yeah. Here. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know if it can even comes through accurately. It seems like it's. Yeah. It's, it's not about food, drugs, drugs or, alcohol. or alcohol. It's, it's about, about healing complex, complex PTSD. PTSD. Yeah. And, and, and of course, letting people understand, well, what does that mean? What do they, do they well, have this trauma and, you know, right. And, and in the book, I talk about, uh, you know, what the signs and symptoms of complex PTSD are, um, and also how to get into recovery with uh, obesity, food, alcohol, drugs, and especially relationships. Because even if you don't have uh, struggles with uh, substances or food or whatever, part of the thing about childhood trauma is it's inherently relational trauma because it happens in the context of close family relationships. And so what happens is your nervous system gets wired to have a stress response when it's in close relationships, which causes, and there's all these triggers that get, up, that get brought up. And so it's important to get into recovery with your relational trauma. So I get into that as well. And so the, the book is actually part memoir, part science-based research and part workbook. So there's a whole workbook on how to identify if you have trauma, uh, what what types of therapies are most efficient and, and effective at healing. Also, if you struggle with food or alcohol or drugs or anything, I mean, those are just the most obvious addictions, but there's work addiction, there's screen time addiction, there's social media addiction, there's shopping, porn, you know, all the different ways that we use to numb out. Um, and the main thing I want people to get is you're not alone. It's not your fault you're not bad or defective and you can heal. And, uh, but you do need specific types of trauma-based therapies to heal. And, um, and so that's the main message I wanna get out there because if we don't, the problem with not understanding we're dealing with trauma is we tend to feel like we're broken or there's something horribly wrong with us because we keep on having the same problems and they don't get better. And the problem is talk therapy alone can't heal trauma because it lives not just in the mind, but in the, the body and the, the nervous system and the way, the visceral ways we react. And so we don't, we need more than just talk therapy or 12 step groups. So, um, so I go into all the different aspects of healing and, um, and it was, you know, profound and life-changing for me. You know, now I'm a lot more confident and comfortable in my relationships. I, I have, uh, I've literally, the reason I'm able to write this book is I have no more shame about my history of obesity and drug addiction, because I know it was never my fault. And, you know, just letting go of the guilt and shame of how you coped or what you did to manage your symptoms is huge in and of itself. So, well, I love that. I love that you took the time and energy and years of uh, research to uh, create this book that is going to be a godsend to so many people. And, you know, typically on the show, I have resources of how founders can find funding and how 
women can invest and help each other. And I do believe what you just said is so important. If you are going to create a successful business and do your purpose on the planet, you have to have a healthy confidence and having to have a book like this to work through people's traumas, to build confidence and believe in themselves and right. believe what they're meant here to do on the planet is a very important resource. And so i um, grateful to have you on and talk about the book. How do people find you, Mary, on social, your website? Right. And, one, and one last shout out for the book, which will be is available on Amazon. Amazon.com. It's available in ebook and in paperback. And, and say the name one more time. It's not about food, drugs, or alcohol. It's This is a, a proof copy of it. Of, it's about healing complex PTSD. And, and it's by uh, Mary Giuliani. Yes. And it's uh, no relation. No. I, I was going to say no relation to Rudy. <laughs> um, I wasn't even going to go there, but I you know. <laughs> uh, at least people can pronounce my name now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, my website is Mary Giuliani, G-I-U-L-I-A-N-I dot net. And I'm on Facebook, Mary G Coach, uh, Instagram, Mary M. Giuliani, YouTube, Mary Giuliani, um, and uh, LinkedIn, Mary Giuliani. Um, yeah. And one last LinkedIn thing. is one of my favorite connections. Uh, oh, I know, me too. Yeah. One last thing I, I did want to mention is it wasn't until I understood that all of my most difficult struggles in life are related to this tra unhealed trauma that my my life purpose really came in for me about doing this work. And so I think that's another really cool thing that I want to support survivors in embracing is that being able to share your recovery story is, is a purpose in and of itself, you know, if that's what you want to do. And so, um, you know, to me, that's one of the greatest gifts of healing trauma is sharing your story with others. So, and like you said, clearing the way to find and live your purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you've been so critically important for me, Catherine, just doing your workshops and, and, uh, you know, acknowledging the podcast that I used to do. And, um, you know, you, you, you created a space for me to really thrive and I just so appreciate you. So thank you so much for what you do for me and all of the women in our community. Thank you so much. Well, I really appreciate that. Uh, we're just all here to cheer each other on, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, Everybody, thanks for tuning in. You can look up Mary Giuliani on uh, LinkedIn, or uh, you can also find me, Catherine Gray, there. Uh, she Angel Investors is our website and also our social media handle, as is Invest in Her podcast. Uh, Catherine Gray, Invest in Her. We'll see you somewhere online in Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. And uh, we appreciate you tuning into the show today. Be sure to share it with your friends and look up Mary's book. Make it a great day, everybody. And thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. Bye, everyone. Remember, if you're looking to launch a business or grow your business, check out our e-course, Six Ways to Fund Your Business, available at SheAngelInvestors.com.